following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Good morning. Mm. Well, <clears throat> I'd like to um, publicly thank Nate for bringing the word last week. He did such a good job. We gave him this week off. <laughs> Not really. He's down in the Berkshires on a plane trip uh, down to Bix. Um, so um, uh, I would encourage all of any of you uh, who were here last week to touch base with Nate and encourage him. I think he did a fine job. We spent um, some time this week. We watched the video of his sermon and uh, run him through the meat grinder of critique, and uh, hopefully it was constructive um, for him, but uh, I was really appreciate him bringing the word last week. And I don't think that it's at all coincidental um, that today, the Sunday after National Let the Youth Pastor Preach Sunday, um, that we are going to be looking at Second Timothy 2, 2, um, page 995 in the Pew Bibles, um, I did not arrange it this way. The Lord did. Um, but before we get to 2 Timothy, listen to the words of Proverbs 2, verse 1 through 12. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful to be your children. We're thankful that you have given us this time and this place to gather and worship you and pay attention to your word. We know these are your words, and you gave them to us for instruction and encouragement. So, Father, we ask by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd speak to our hearts this morning, opening our ears to hear and our eyes to see and soften our hearts to receive your message, that the Lord Jesus Christ would be magnified. You would be glorified. And we'd be more made more like you because we are here today. We we'll love you, Lord, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Second Timothy. Um, I have to write the second half of the sermon. I thought of it while I was standing back there. Just give me a second here. You thought I was kidding? All right. Sorry. 
Hopefully it won't be, sorry. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 1 and 2, just to back up a little bit. Uh, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. May God's blessing be on his word this morning. Um, I used to be a younger man, um, and over the course of the last 20 or so, 20 plus years of ministry, I have been to, I've been to more leadership training seminars and summits and classes more than I care to remember. And almost all of those seminars on leadership had one thing in common. Every sermon I've ever heard on leadership, leadership development, shared one common thread. It was 2 Timothy 2.2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I once sat in a class out in Iowa with a man, uh, a pastor from Chicago, who referred to this um, scripture. We were talking about this scripture, and he called this four deep discipleship. Actually, he called it four deep discipleship, but accents are fun of that way. Four deep discipleship. Four deep discipleship looks like this. Paul who was writing to Timothy. Paul had at least one mentor, someone who invested in him for ministry. Can any of you name him? Do you know who Paul's one? Gamaliel would be one. I'm thinking of a different one, though. Gamaliel was a Pharisee uh, teacher of Paul's, but did not know the Lord Jesus. Well, he was not a Christian. Anybody think of anyone else? Come on, really? We're not a Sunday school. Jesus is not the right answer. Not Peter. Barnabas. Barnabas. Paul mentor. Paul came to faith in Christ. He met Jesus personally on the road to Damascus while he was on his way to persecute the church. And Jesus met him on the road and took away his sight for a time and said, I'm going to make you my instrument to bring the gospel to the Gentiles and before kings and all kind of people. So that's true. But remember, Paul was a persecutor of the church. He was trying to destroy the way of Christ and apostles. So uh, when he came to Christ, the church did not trust him. They didn't want anything to do with him. They were terrified. They thought he was faking it and was just trying to trick them. So Paul had to go away from Jerusalem and go away from the church, and he went to Arabia for about 13 years. He was kind of in exile until uh, Barnabas went and found him. Um, Barnabas invested in Paul. Uh, and brought him back uh, to the church and got him involved in ministry. You can read about all of that in the book of Acts, uh, the second half of the book. 
Well, actually, from chapter 9 on, it's pretty much... Anyway. Barnabas invested in Paul. And Paul, in turn, invested in Timothy and Titus and Luke and Silas and countless other people we can read about in the New Testament. But for our example today, we'll stick with Timothy. Um, Paul's charge to Timothy here in our text was to entrust to reliable, faithful, trustworthy people that uh, that would also be able to teach others. He said, entrust to these people what you have heard from me. Okay, so let's look at fall deep. Barnabas, one, Paul, two, Timothy, three, and the people that Timothy was to entrust what he had heard to. And you could almost, like, four B, because they were supposed to be able to teach other people, right? So four and a half deep discipleship, maybe. Those other people didn't have names, so let's stay with four. Um, the Greek word translated men here, faithful men in our text. Uh, ladies, don't worry, you're not off the hook. The word, Greek word can be translated, um, it can refer to both men and women depending on the context. And there's nothing in our context here that says that it should just be one or the other. So that's why I say faithful people, reliable people that will in turn teach others. I don't, I just want to take a breath. Slow down, sorry. Say intermission. I'm trying to think of some of the things I told Nate about his sermon, so I slow down and take a breath. I'll take my own advice here. So in thinking about all his seminars and all his sermons, it came down to this one instruction to me. I should find a mentor. I should be mentoring someone. And the person I'm mentoring should mentor somebody else. Leaders, training leaders who will in turn train more leaders. Isn't that what you see in the text? A Ponzi scheme, yeah, pyramid, right? Yeah. Each person find five more people to sell this invisible product. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? From the text... Those of you who know me well are not answering, I'm sure, because you know I'm setting you up. Well, I will say that it's not wrong. It's not at all wrong that, that we should be mentoring people and, and, and passing on what we have been taught. It's absolutely true. But if that's all we get out of this passage, we're missing out. This is the obvious half. That's right at the top we can see. That exposition of the text is incomplete. That's not all that's going on there. Passing on the baton of ministry is important, very important. Far too often, unfortunately, this passage is only applied to to pastors and and missionaries and, and church leaders. And far too often when we think just of pastors, pastors who move on from a church without any succession plan. They say, well, God's leading me to Timbuktu, so see you later. And they leave. 
right? Some of you have experienced this before. They leave with no one trained up from within the church to take their place when they leave. Now, that's not what the Old Testament, what the New Testament describes for church life. Paul was preparing for the end of his life and ministry. He knew that he was near the end. He's, remember, in a hole in the ground waiting for his trial and execution. He knew he had to pass off the baton of ministry because what he was doing was so important. It wasn't just about him fulfilling his life's calling like we like to get wrapped up in. It was the work that's more important than him. He understood that, look, the, the nut needs to be turned and I'm a wrench, but I'm not the only wrench in the books. So I need to train as someone else to do the work as well. But the question I've been wrestling with was, was the mantle of leadership within the church the baton that Paul was passing? Was leadership training, was developing leaders, developing pastors, Paul's main concern in 2 Timothy 2.2? All of those seminars and classes and sermons say yes. But I think the answer is no. That's not all that Paul's concerned with. Not even his main concern. I don't even like the expression leadership training. Jesus said, call no one teacher. You have one teacher. Call no person father because you have one father, right? So I don't like the words that we stick in there just because it works for us. And this whole leadership training, my job is not to lead. It's Christ's job to lead. Our job is to follow together, right? My responsibility is to help equip people for work of ministry, not do ministry while you watch. Or I do the ministry because I'm a professional and you're just a bunch of consumers like you're at the movies right now. Because it, I don't know how many rotten tomatoes I will get. So let's say training for ministry was part of the meal, right? But it's more like the fries that go with the burger. It's not the burger itself. It's not the main course, which we all know the wedding feast of the lamb will have burgers and fries because it's a perfect food. All the food groups, never mind. <laughs> Paul's main concern, the burger on his plate, was not raising others up for ministry. It was preserving sound doctrine for ages to come. Not just to the end of the week. Not just to give Timothy something to think about until they got together again. Preserving sound doctrine for posterity was Paul's main concern. Right? Because we see, Timothy, I want you to do as I do. Right? Do what I did. Well, he didn't say that. He said, what you've heard me say, in the presence of many witnesses, pass on to others, reliable people, who will teach others. Now, where are the people? I mean, the people are part of the equation, right? Warren Wiersbe wrote, 
The ministry is not something we get for ourselves and keep to ourselves. We are stewards of the spiritual treasure God has given us. It is our responsibility to guard the deposit and then invest it in the lives of others. They, in turn, are to share the word with the next generation of believers. It is important that we get our original treasure from the word of God and not from the ideas and philosophies of men. We do not test modern teachers by their popularity, education, or skill. We test them by the word of God, and particularly the doctrines of grace as given by Paul. It is not we who examine scripture to see if it is right. It is scripture that examines us. What had Timothy heard from Paul? Was it all about how to be a church leader? Not really. Timothy had heard Paul preach the gospel and teach the way of Christ in the presence of many witnesses, scores of people that would confirm what the apostle had taught. Yeah, I heard Paul say that. We, he knew what Nate referred to last week as the kerygma and the didache. Right? The kerygma is the proclamation of the gospel and the didache is the way of Christ and the apostles. The teaching. This was Paul's main concern, that the truth of the gospel, that salvation is available by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. His concern was that that be preserved and passed on to so that many more people could believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That's what's most important. Okay, that's the nut that needs to be turned. Sometimes you use a wrench to turn a nut. But if you're a mechanic like I am, sometimes you use a pair of pliers or vice grips or whatever you can get. Sometimes we are just whatever is lying around that needs to turn a nut. Not all professionals. Paul was also concerned with the preservation of sound doctrine, not just how to know Christ and be saved, but how to live for Christ and prepare for his return. This, This simple verse is not just for those who aspire to leadership within the church or for professional ministers, which is a joke. It is for every disciple of Jesus Christ, everyone who considers themselves a Christ follower, everyone who has put their trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sin and has entrusted him to shape the direction of the rest of their lives. It's for all of us. It's our responsibility to pass on what we have heard and what we have learned from Scripture. We are all responsible to listen to reliable teachers that can be measured by the word of God. That's not just me. I'm not the only one. We are all responsible to apply the truth that we have learned from these teachers, whoever they might be. And what we have learned from scripture, we are responsible to apply to ourselves and we are responsible to pass it on to others. Ray Steadman said, we are one generation away from apostasy. We must pass on what we have learned. 
What that means, we are one generation away from people not knowing the truth about Jesus Christ. The world is looking to snuff out the gospel, remove God from society, forget about Jesus, forget about the Bible. This old dusty book doesn't count for anything anyway. And anybody that likes it is just stuck in the mud. Well, I'm happy in the mud. We are one generation away from the church being eliminated from society. This is not a good thing. Ray Stedman said that in the 80s, early 80s. Some of you remember them. It's just as true now, maybe even more true now than it was then. If we just count on professional pastors and ministers to preserve the word and to pass on a doctrine, it's not going to work. We are all responsible. Every one of us, every one of you is a minister. Do you know that? You are all called to ministry, all called to service. You are all called, we are all called to embrace the way of Christ and his apostles and pass it on to others. If you look at the example of Jesus in Scripture, he was not to have a bunch of seminars. Here's how to be like me, right? He's have conversations with people, meet in their homes, go to the the outcast and the the non-popular people, right? And show them the love of God, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. In order for us all to be effective in our calling that we all share, we must first practice a daily communion with Christ ourselves. We must study His Word, talk with Him in prayer, listen to faithful teachers. If you're looking for some, I would be happy to recommend some uh, great teachers for you to listen to or watch videos online. I can't be the only voice. Okay? I can. There's more. There's a lot better guys than me out there. So first, we must practice daily communion with Christ ourselves. And second, we must pass on that communion to others with whom we have influence. Uh, some of us, that's obvious. We start with the people who live in our home. We start with our children. Start with your grandchildren. Start with your own household. Share what you have learned from Jesus and his word to everyone who listens to you. They may just be the reliable and faithful people who will in turn teach others what you have taught them. We can all participate together in God's mission for the church if we would follow this instruction. This is making and maturing disciples together as a family. It's passing on what we have been taught. Now, here's the second part. I have a tendency to be very black and white. They say it's all about leadership training and, and raising up new leaders in the church. And I say, well, no, it's not. It's about doctrine and passing on sound doctrine. Well, it's not one or the other. This I want to make clear. It's not either or. It's both and. My grandma taught me a song. 
when I was a little kid, I want to stay at their house. She would sing a song uh, before bed. Um, and what the song is, it doesn't matter to you, but I remember the words of the song, and I pass on that, singing that song to my children. My children know the words of that song. My, the not either or part is that grandma sang us this song because she loved us and it was a special thing to her, a special thing she shared with us. Now all my cousins know this song. My aunts and uncles all know this song and they sing it to their children, maybe those of us willing to sing, Right? But what was passed on was not just the words of the song, but the memories of grandma and the way it changed who we are as people. That's exactly what's going on here in this text, right? It's not just about pass on information so that the next generation gets the information. We're about developing people, making and maturing disciples, so that they know the words to the song, but they are better and different people because they know the song. And that's our goal, right? It's not just pass on information, but to pass on the truth of the gospel, that God loves you, and Jesus died for your sin, so you don't have to pay the penalty anymore. That you get to be forgiven and adopted as God's child. His Holy Spirit come and live inside of you and change, move your furniture all around. That's the point. That's how it all worked together. And I think that's a wonderful truth. And I praise God that that's the way He has a design. That's a really good idea. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're thankful for the instruction you pass on to us. We're thankful that we have uh, the Bible to get back to the original teaching, the original way of Christ, to make sure that our lives are ordered around the word, um, not order the word around our lives. We're thankful for the truth of the gospel that Jesus came to save us. We're thankful for your love for us and the gift of salvation. Father, pray that these thoughts and these words would sing deep in our hearts and would alter the way that we think, that we would more closely align to the way of Christ and the apostles. We love you, Lord, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.